It's great to hear such a holy hubbub. And, uh, but it's always a challenge trying to draw it in and get everyone's attention, isn't it? But it's great to have fellowship together, isn't it? Great to see everyone this morning. Uh, if you've got a Bible and you want to uh, turn to Hebrews chapter 6, that would be great. If you haven't, don't worry. It will come up on the screen behind me as well. Uh, but we'll be going there shortly. How many of you love adventures? Oh, not so many as I thought. How many of you love adventures? Oh, yeah. So there's a few of us like adventures. As a, a young person and over the years, I have loved adventure stories. Um, stories of people who are trailblazers, people who, who have gone where no one else has, has gone before, explored new horizons, sometimes at great difficulty and at great cost to themselves. And if I had time this morning, it would be great to throw in a few illustrations because there's some great ones out there, but we don't have time to do that. I'm sure you can go away and... Do that in your own time, and you, you, can, you, know, you can think of the people right now that perhaps you are familiar with, stories that you are familiar with. Many of us will be familiar with the, uh, many of the titles of Jesus. Uh, for example, the Son of God, uh, the Son of Man, Messiah, Savior, the Bread of Life, the Good Shepherd, our great High Priest, as you were hearing last week, the author and the finisher of our faith. But one that rarely comes onto our radar, if ever, is Jesus as our forerunner or trailblazer. And I like that. You know, Jesus as our forerunner or trailblazer. And yet it's, it's vitally important and it is massively encouraging. And I just, I pray that even as we've been worshipping together this morning, you have been encouraged in Jesus. We love to make much of Jesus and, you know, our worship this morning has been, I don't know whether you've noticed it, Trinitarian, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God has been love from all eternity because he is a community of being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, entirely happy and consistent and existent within himself, yet he created us in his image. We, we marred that image when we sinned and we fell short of God's glory and God in the person of Jesus comes and takes on human flesh and lives here for us as our saviour. But he's also our forerunner. He's our trailblazer. And uh, so we're going to read from Hebrews chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. We're going to read the first three verses and then drop, drop down to verse 13. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrines of Christ and go on to maturity not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, and of instructions about washings, the laying on of hands, and the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. And then down to verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you. And multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his promise, he guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, 
we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. And we have this as a sure and a steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. It's an amazing chapter. And it, it begins right there uh, with, with an exhortation and an encouragement to go on to maturity. I don't know whether you remember the last time I spoke, which was two or three weeks ago, that I, one of the things that, that I have always carried is the sense that there is more. No matter where I am at in my Christian life, there is more. It's been a characteristic of what I felt God has put within me prophetically to be able to say to others that wherever you are at in Christ, there is more. You see, the devil, if he can't stop us getting saved, will want us to settle where we are because he won't want us to enter into the more that God has for us this side of heaven. So there's an encouragement right here, and we focus on the warning that comes in this passage, and we've dealt with that, and you can go and find that online, so I'm not going to dig into that this morning. But just to note that it says, let us go on to maturity. Is that your ambition this morning? Is that your ambition to, to press on in Jesus, to lay hold of everything that he has laid hold of you for in this life? Not to go back as, as some of them were tempted to do so in the face of persecution and suffering. Not to, to level off, uh, but to press on, to keep on going. Not to keep laying the same foundations, to, but to build on what has already been laid. Not to remain static in your Christian life, but to, to go on to, to maturity. I wonder this morning, have you ever felt like the Hebrews? In the face of everything that, you, that is going on now, our context is not their context, but I want to try and root it in where we are, where you are, where I am. Have you ever felt like giving up on God? Have you ever had your doubts about the faith that you believe in? Have you ever wondered about the reality of it? And I know there have been periods in my life where I have doubted. Where, because of things that have been going on, things that have happened uh, around me and so on, and, and the questions have begun to arise, and the temptation, is this really true? Can I really believe in God? Can I really believe in Jesus, etc.? Maybe that's, that's where you are now. Maybe you have been disappointed in some way along the way. Things haven't worked out for you the way that you had imagined them to be. Maybe people... Maybe Christians, maybe even church has, has let you down at some point. Maybe there have been unanswered prayers and you feel somehow God has let you down. Maybe you constantly feel defeated. Yeah, you, you recognize that God has called you to something in Jesus, but your life is one of continual defeat and you wonder, really, what is this all about? Can I carry on anymore? Maybe you think at the end of the day, this isn't what I signed up for. I thought it was a whole lot more than this. Well, you'd be encouraged to find there were people in the Bible like that. The Hebrews were like that. And they wanted to go back. Things were getting tough for them, and they wanted to go back. But if they went back, it would mean disowning Jesus. And the one thing that I love about Hebrews is it's packed. 
It's round-packed with encouragement. And if there's anything that you and I need on our life together, it is encouragement. It is hope. And that is found in Jesus. They had their doubts. They felt like going back, taking the easier route. But the writer, whoever, or she, whoever he or she was, writes to them with great encouragement. No, keep trusting Jesus. Keep believing him, in him. Keep pressing forward. And one of the things I love about Hebrews is wherever you look in Hebrews, whatever your question is, the answer is? Jesus. Say it out loud. The answer is? Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. So whatever the question, the answer is Jesus. And you can, you, know, you can go all the way through Hebrews and peel it open here and there and everywhere, and, and Jesus is the answer. Looking away unto Jesus. A full and proper understanding of Jesus and who he is, and what he has done. So the author constantly points them away from their selves, away from their circumstances, back to Jesus. Where are you looking this morning? Are you spending too much time navel-gazing? Are you spending too much time looking at your circumstances? And in the process, you're just being sucked in ever deeper and deeper. The writer to the Hebrews would say, look away from yourself. Look away from your circumstances. Look away unto Jesus. And, and he does it in an amazing way. I, I just love the way that the writer lifts up Jesus before them. So right at the very beginning, he says, look, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. He is the, the brightness of his glory. He is the exact image or expression of his very nature. He is God. And then he says in chapter 2, but he's also man. He's also man. He was made a, a little lower than the angels. In the same way as the children have taken flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same. I find that staggering. Every Christmas when I think about it and through the year to think that he took on flesh and blood like yours and like mine. He was made like us, says the writer to the Hebrews in chapter 2, in every way. So, on the one hand, there he is, he is God in every way, but he's also man, truly man. He is the apostle and high priest of our confession. He is a superior prophet to, to Moses. Moses was a servant, Jesus was a son. And therefore, the words that he speaks supersede anything that Moses had said before. And so, right there at the very beginning, he says, God has spoken in these last days through his son. He is a superior priest to, to, to the Aaronic priesthood. He was of a, a different and an everlasting order. It says in 7.16, according to the power of an endless life. The problem with the, priest, the, the, the Aaronic priesthood was that they were, they were marred by sin. They had to make continual offerings. They didn't live forever. They died. So there had to be other priests and so on and, and repeated sacrifices, etc., etc. But Jesus is far superior. Hallelujah. And that should encourage us this morning because he is of an everlasting order. That's what Melchizedek is all about. The sacrifice he offered, he offered once for all, never needing to offer another sacrifice again. That deserves a big amen. amen. Yeah. The covenant that he institutes fulfills and transcends the previous one. It is better, better, better by far. You know, the enemy likes to try and get us as Christians to live back in the old covenant because he knows how that brings us down and depresses our lives and makes us miserable Christians. 
But the new covenant is a covenant that releases us and gives us life and gives us joy and gives us hope. He's the king. He is the appointed heir of all things. And so wherever you look in Hebrews, the answer is Jesus. And it's looking at who he is and what he has done and how who he is and what he has done that far excels anyone or anything that ever went before it. And that also deserves an amen. I mean, I, I look at Hebrews and I go, wow, wow, isn't this staggering? But of course, you, you might say at this moment in time, well, okay, I kind of get that. I kind of get, you know, the God thing that Jesus was God, and I get that he was man, and I get that he offered himself, and I, I get that he's in heaven now, but how does that help me right now where I am? And the answer is because he is as we read in that last verse of that chapter, our forerunner. Because he is our forerunner. Some of the modern versions, they just destroy this passage. They, they flatten it. I, I mean, I said the other way, I love the New Living Translation. But it flattens it and simply says rather blandly, Jesus has already gone in there for us. And that robs that verse of something so powerful because it says, that Jesus is our forerunner who has entered the very presence of God, who has gone into the very holy of holies. The Greek is, is, is so expressive, and the illustrations that are used of it are, are staggering. So it speaks of someone who goes ahead and announces victory. Jesus has done that. It speaks of a small boat that is sent in through the sandbars that are in front of the harbor to, to drop the anchor within the harbor and so secure uh, that the position for the boat to be able to come into the harbor when the tide rises. Jesus has done that for us as well. It speaks of a unit of soldiers who, who go ahead and they scout out the territory, securing the move forward, and Jesus has done that for us. It speaks of someone who's run the course and paved the way, a pioneer who's opened up the way for us, a trailblazer. A forerunner is someone we can look to and say, if he did it, so can we. Yeah? If he did it, so can we. If he did it, so can you, and so can I. It's not that we're offering our lives as a sacrifice, but that we can live in this flesh, empowered by God, listening to his voice, being obedient unto him, and, and pressing forward and taking ground for him day by day. No one ever said the Christian life would be easy. But they did say that God has fully resourced it. Amen? Turn to the person next to you and say, God has resourced your life. Now turn to them again and say it with some degree of encouragement, enthusiasm. You know, God has resourced your life. And, and that's why the writer of the Hebrews keeps pointing them to Jesus, because in Jesus, God has resourced our lives through the Holy Spirit. Yeah? And so number one then, if you're making any notes, as our forerunner, he has entered and secured our destination. 
You know, the enemy comes to, I have, I have sat with people at times pastorally, and particularly towards the end of their lives where they have doubts. Is it really true? Can I really trust him? And they've had doubts, because that's if, if the enemy can undermine that, that hope of eternal life, that hope of a final destiny in heaven, he can undermine your present life. But our forerunner has entered heaven. He has entered the most holy place. He is the anchor for our souls who has secured our destination. Hallelujah. And so it says in 619, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and steadfast. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. And then in verse 6, verse 18, that we might have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us. So this is what the writer is doing. He's, he's wanting to give them massive encouragement to seize hold of that hope because he knows if they get hold of that hope, it will do something for them in the present. It will be an empowering influence for them on their lives. Those times when I sat with, by, with somebody approaching death and, and, the, and the enemy has assailed them. Let me say this. You will never get away from the battleground. I, I don't want to disappoint you, but the battle is on until we're home. You know? And we make a mistake if we ever think the battle is off. We're living on a battleground, and the enemy will come at us. And he'll come at us right till the day we die. It's good that we know him now. We're equipped now. We're strengthened now so that when that time comes, we may go out with a shout. You know? And that's what I want. I want to, I want to see people reach that point and say, yes, I'm going home. I know he's there, you know? That's the hope of every Christian. Heaven is, is not a hope so. It's a dynamic reality. It's a blessed assurance because Jesus is there. There is a man in heaven. And secondly, as our forerunner, he has made it possible for us to go on to maturity. And so for the Hebrews, this was a big challenge. Okay, yeah, I, I, can, I can believe that. Yeah, I've got this hope, but what about the now? What about what I'm going through at this moment in time? This in-between, how, how do I do that? And if we aren't careful, so much of our Christian lives can be, or the gospel can be, come to Jesus and be saved and you have a home in heaven when you die. And it's like, well, hang on a minute, what about 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years between now and then, you know? How do we do it? And this is where the doctrine of Christ's humanity is so, so vitally important. And I haven't got time to press home everything that I would like to on this. But if in any way he was not fully human, if in any way he had not taken on the likeness of our sinful flesh, if in any way he had used his godness to live this life, to overcome temptation and sin, if in any way he had some advantage over us, he would be of no help or encouragement to us. And yet the Hebrew says over and over again that he dwelt among us, that he was made flesh, assures us that he has taken on the reality of our situation. That's why Hebrews starts in the way it does. He is very God. He is very man. They're both essential. 
If he were not God, he could not mediate between God and man. If he were not fully human, he couldn't save or help us. And that's why in chapter 2, it says he had to be made like us in every way. If he only ever appeared to be human, if he only ever appeared, he would have only appeared to be tempted. He, He would be no good to us. Those verses that talk about Jesus being tempted in every way as we are. And we say, well, hang on a minute. He had a, he had a special advantage over us, didn't he? It would be of no good to us whatsoever. As Gregory Nanzianzen, one of the old church fathers, put it, he said, the unassumed is the unhealed. Jesus, therefore, had to enter our very real, fractured and broken humanity this side of the fall, to to redeem it and to heal every part of it and then offer it back to God. He came and he lived in flesh like yours, like mine, subject to the same temptations. He experienced them in the same way and he lived a perfect life. He lived daily in obedience to the Father, it says in, in Hebrews. He learned obedience by the things he suffered. That doesn't mean he was ever disobedient, But day by day, he learned obedience. He listened to his father's voice, and he said, yes. He heard the enemy, and he said, no, get out of my way. Only then could he be that atoning sacrifice. That's something that we couldn't do. Day by day, he was was tempted. Day by day, he says yes to the Father and no to Satan. Day by day, he sanctifies our humanity, and then he offers it to God on the cross, sinless yet bearing our sin, your sin, my sin. He has cut through the undergrowth then and and the debris of, of, of life in a fallen world. He has gone down into the valleys. He has crossed the raging torrents. He has climbed the mountains. He has weathered the storms. He has gone down into death, and he has come out the other side, and he has arrived at the destination. And I want to go, wow, he's done it. He's done it. And in saying that, in being our forerunner, we can too. That's the beauty of it. We can too. He was tempted in every way as we are, yet he never gave in. He was confronted by the powers of darkness in every way will, in a way that will never be, and yet he never let them have a foothold. He knew what it was to suffer, and yet he could continue to depend on the Father. And so he was truly our trailblazer. I just like that image. It's like an explorer who's, who's gone where no one has gone before and made a way where there was no way before. And because he has done it, others can do it also. Jesus has done that for us. He has made a way. He's defeated all that opposed us in Satan, sin, death, and hell. And we, by his staggering grace, can follow in his trail and live as overcomers. Isn't that staggering? Because the enemy would like to suggest in some way he had an advantage. And therefore, if he had an advantage over us, we are somehow disadvantaged. But I want to tell you, in Jesus, we are advantaged in every way. And it's it's a staggering thought. 
So how, how did he do it? Because he, he lived, as I say, in the likeness of this sinful flesh. He, he, depend, he had to, to live out the life that we should have lived. And how did he do that? And what can we learn from him? Number one, he lived in dependence on the Father. Lived in daily fellowship with him. The enemy wants to make us independent human beings, but we were made to live in fellowship with the Father. And because he became the second Adam, he restores that and enables that. We live in, he lived in daily dependence on the Holy Spirit. In his human flesh, he needed to live in dependence on the Holy Spirit. His life was resourced by the Spirit. He lived on the very word of God. And when attacked by the enemy, he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And that's what Jesus did. He lived daily on that word. He lived in daily obedience to the Father. I need to draw to a close. Time is gone. But I want to say to you, there is great encouragement in Jesus this morning. Wherever you are at in your life, whatever is going on, whatever the circumstances are around you, Hebrews encourages us to look away from ourselves and our circumstances and even other people and to look away unto Jesus. The author and the finisher, the pioneer, the perfecter, the forerunner, the trailblazer. Whatever your temptation or trial, it's no bigger than Jesus. It's anything that Jesus experienced. Because he is there as our forerunner, he has secured for us the resources that we need to finish the course to complete the race. Not only that, he's in the presence of the Father where he prays for you. Isn't that wonderful? Do you, do you ever give that any thought? How Jesus might be praying for you? And in doing so, he resources us with his amazing grace. Let's stand, shall we? Would you just open your heart, open your hands, we come to a close. Just be amazed at Jesus, the forerunner who's gone right into the, the very holiest of all. There's our security this morning, there's our anchor, and the great encouragement that we receive from him. Holy Spirit, we have just scratched the surface of these truths. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you would apply them to each of our lives. That we might each find great encouragement wherever we're at in our walk with you. And for any who are particularly having their doubts and really wondering, is it worth it all? Can I really continue on this route? Holy Spirit, may they hear your voice saying, yes, you can. Because there is a forerunner, a trailblazer who is there who's paved the way and opened it up and so that we can run with confidence. So, Holy Spirit, bless your people, we pray. Oh, help us on our journey. Give us strength day by day. In Jesus' name, amen.